Hey, folks, I've got two movies to tell you about, and I have some guests that were in the movies, a director of the films. They're going to tell you how these movies made it to the big screen. A little bit later on, we're going to talk about the movie Denial. Denial was at the Toronto International Film Festival. It's the story of Deborah Lipstadt. She is a professor at Emory University who took on a Holocaust denier in court. Very important court case because if she had lost, it would have made his views acceptable in modern-day academia. So we'll get to that in just a little while. We've got the stars of the film, Tom Wilkinson and Rachel Weisz, and Deborah Lipstadt herself to talk about it. First up, though, I'll introduce you to the stars of Two Lovers and a Bear. Two Lovers and a Bear is a new film set in the Canadian North about two star-crossed lovers who have to deal with some problems from their past. I'm trying to be vague about this. I don't want to give too much of the story away. But it stars Dane DeHaan and Tatiana Maslany, who just won an Emmy Award for her work on Orphan Black. You can see that on the Space Channel. She stars as Lucy in this film. And we began the conversation by talking about the opening scene of the movie. I love movies that have scenes that Tell me everything I need to know about the characters without actually using any dialogue or using very little dialogue. That's what happens here. We see them ice fishing and they're joshing around with one another and it sets up their relationship perfectly. Let's have a listen. Yeah. I shot later in the shoot. It was pretty much improv. Yeah. It was supposed to be later in the movie. Yeah, like wh- like when we're on the journey already. Oh, wow. wow. We're supposed to be and... on Yeah. At one point, Kim said he wasn't going to put it in the movie. Right. Did he? Yeah. He's like, I think the one scene that might not make it is that ice fishing scene. (laughs) And And now it's the first scene in the movie, yeah. Yeah, I was surprised when I saw that, actually. Yeah. Because I I hadn't seen the film until we saw it. Oh, no, before Ken. But to see that scene first, and it's kind of like funny and um, light and sort of feels like... It's playful. Yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 It does sort of allow for us to go to those darker places. Well, it does. And I think that, you know, for me, as I said, you're not saying, you know, hey, boyfriend, why don't we, like, you're not, mm. but, but we get the sense of exactly what the relationship is between you. And, and we can imagine, mm. you know, what's come before. Mm. And uh, I thought it was a really lovely way to, to start us off on this journey, which does, you know, go places that I didn't expect it to, because as I told Kim, uh, the name Two Lovers and a Bear suggested something a bit more whimsical to me, you know, and there are definitely moments of that in the film, but um, I, I, I was unprepared for exactly what happened in the film and uh, and was quite struck by it, so. Yeah, I think that's how I felt when I read it too, that I wasn't, exp- I didn't know what to expect yeah. at any moment. Um, and it would kind of flip from this very heavy romance to like comedy, yeah. you know, to this sort of, it sort of feels a bit sci-fi at the end or a little thrillery and there's yeah. just all this kind of play there's a playfulness to the filmmaking style which mm-hmm. is really exciting to to read and to see then and there's a talking polar bear yeah and i saw gordon pinson who does the voice of the polar bear downstairs and i congratulated him uh, i said the costume looks amazing you can't tell <laughs> right. um was there a polar bear there no how did, how yeah. did they do that was there yeah, yeah. there's a polar bear her name is aggie <laughs> Um, she's a trained polar bear, and um, she's been in the business for 20 years. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, She's from Vancouver. Um, She's really nice, and her trainer isn't. (laughs) 
<laughs> and was she as big as she looks in the film, or was her perspective? No, she's, she's enormous. Huge, she's like, a huge enormous. creature. Yeah, it was such a gift to have a real bear there. Right. You know, I don't think I wouldn't know what it was like to be that close to that big of a creature unless I actually was. Yeah, mm-hmm. because you freak out when you see the polar bear. Mm-hmm. I was scared. Were you scared? Yeah, I was scared. scared? He was pretty confident around the bear. Were there things that you had to learn? Did she, were you taught, like, don't make any sudden movements or don't wear red or whatever, you know? Don't, yeah. Don't be a woman was one of them. Don't be a woman. Yeah, remember? Pretty much. She can, like, smell like women and doesn't like them. Really? I think because she's trainer's a, woman. a woman. No, no. Trainer's a man. Trainer's a man. Oh, so I think, I think. So Wait, Aggie's the bear, bear. Aggie's and the whatever's in the guy. Um, but she gets. Uh, she doesn't like women. She gets agitated. So I, she gets agitated. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's so bad. <laughs> Anyways, um, there yeah. were a bunch of rules. Yeah, I mean, you you know, there should be when you're working with an animal like yeah. that, but. Um, yeah, we were like we weren't allowed to get closer than two meters from it. It was behind a fence that if it got too close to the fence, they would like put electricity through the fence. Oh but, wow! Yeah, mm. I mean, but like it, it, it's pretty well trained. You know, it can hit a mark and it can it can do that mouth thing. Yeah, it can um, its light. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Light is everywhere. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty amazing. And so shooting up there, it, it's it, it's it's different there. The, and people have different ideas about things. And I think because of uh, that it's daylight for 24 hours often, and then it gets dark, and then like, for days on it. So what was it like being there to to shoot this film? And the and the weather is unforgiving, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it was. I mean, I think it's invaluable for our like for doing the film yeah. in terms of. Like the same thing as having a real polar bear there, being in the actual environment is so much easier and so much more telling and informing in terms of character and how how you move through the world. You know, you understand more about why Roman and Lucy are the way they are by being there and living in that kind of environment and seeing how two people could need need each other so desperately and be the only thing that the other has and 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 all of that. Um, it was, I loved it up there. I really yeah. loved it. Yeah, I would go back in a heartbeat. I just and, think it was so And, and what was it? Was it this sort of just the idea of the kind of slightly isolated, more on your own kind of thing, or the people, or, or Yeah, it's the people. Like, there's such a vibrant um, youth there um, that I got to meet and, and be part of and, and go out with and, and um, you know, see their artwork and stuff like that. And it was just really cool to be part of the community. But at the same time, there's a lot of issues up there, you know, in terms of um, just stuff like from years back and, yeah. and kind of systemic things. So um, it has this bizarre duality to it. And Dan, for you? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it was pretty invaluable being up there. It is such a, the setting of the movie is a character in the movie, you know, and um, more than. It's always helpful to make a movie where it takes place, but I can't imagine making this movie anywhere else, specifically this movie. You know, the cold and all that really just informs everything that's going on. And, um, you know, I, I don't think I could understand what it was like to live there if I wasn't there or talking to people, trying to understand it. Um, I mean, it's beautiful. It's like another planet. 
I, I'm not hankering to go back, <laughs> but I'm really glad I got the experience yeah. to be there, and I talk about it all the time. How long were you there? Six, six weeks. weeks. Six weeks. Yeah. So that's. Do were you going back and forth at all? Or no, we were there, there for six weeks. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot, right? That's yeah. Because I think probably what. You know, you, you, probably the first few days are kind of like, yeah, this is pretty cool. And then there's that thing where it's like, what? I can't get the deodorant I'm used to or whatever. Yeah. Like, the, you know, the, 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 were there moments that, that you realized, like, how isolated you were? Oh, yeah. I, I don't think you can escape how isolated you are. I think that's pretty in your face mm -hmm. the whole time, yeah. you know. And, yeah, and, um, yeah, it, it's, you I never forgot where I was. Yeah, that's for yeah. sure. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, there was never a time where I like forgot I was in the yeah. Arctic. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Uh, I, I felt that um, Lucy was probably a little bit more equipped in dealing with the sort of the demons that were were present for her than Roman was. Roman, I thought, uh, shut them out in a way. You know, when you guys break up briefly you buy two bottles of booze and decide to get blotto and then just sort of close that door completely which isn't dealing with it it's just making it go away for a moment and so tell me a, a little bit from your perspective just a, a little bit the things that that my readers would need to know about Roman and Lucy and the sort of without I guess without giving away you know, things yeah. we don't need to give away yeah I guess I don't want to say too too much about Lucy I sort of the same way I discovered things when reading the script, it was always, it was really surprising to see where she, what was happening to her, yeah. what was happening uh, throughout the film. Um, but yeah, I guess there's um, a restlessness to her spirit and a need to find some stillness and peace, um, that, and a desperate love of Roman, where she can't, she, she can't live without him. And yet she can't be with him. Yeah. So it's, yeah. And uh, Roman? Yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know what you need to know going into the movie. They're both really troubled souls, and they both really love each other and need each other. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's kind of all you really need to know, if anything, going yeah. into it. And then they go on a wild adventure. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it is a wild adventure. Yeah. 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 Um, Kim was saying that there were a number of things. Uh, there's a big explosion at one point in the film, and he said, "Oh yeah, I know we were going to shoot that. I was told it would take uh, 40 minutes to do it. Two hours later, we're still waiting around, and it's because it's so cold that mm. that the, the, there were 70 wires or something they had to lead in, and that the guy that was laying the wires down, his fingers kept freezing, so he would have to, you know, mm. stop. Yeah, that was frequently. the coldest day. Oh, was that it? Yeah. Was yeah. That, that was, was the, up on the on hill, the right? Hill, yeah, that yeah. was the coldest day on set. Yeah. We were up on a hill. The wind was blowing. I don't know what the wind chill was, but it was well below negative 40. Mm -hmm. It must have been negative 50, negative 60 degree wind chill that, that day. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and to be up on a hill yeah. is the worst place you could yeah. be. Yeah. 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 And yeah, you can't have your hands out of gloves for too long, yeah. for sure. No, like, or like... You legitimately can't. Our stills photographer lost chunks of his nose. Yeah, he kept putting his... Yeah, he would like... He, he kept... He wouldn't have his uh, face mask on, because and he, he would put the camera... The camera right? He yeah. would put the camera here, and he would take it off, and there would be a piece of his nose oh that went off with the camera, and we kept being like, like, will you please put your face mask on? Like, what are you doing? Oh, my God. That was Tatiana Maslany and Dane DeHaan for the movie Two Lovers and a Bear. 
The movie will be in theaters this time next week. Keep an eye open for it. Next up, I'm going to introduce you to Kim Nguyen. He's the director of Two Lovers and a Bear. He directed the Oscar-nominated Rebel a couple of years ago and has made a really, really interesting film set in the far north. We talk about shooting up there and casting Tatiana Maslany. Stay with us. Welcome back. We're having a very special look at the movie Two Lovers and a Bear. It's about two star-crossed lovers in the Canadian north. They're on the run from their past, from terrible abusive relationships, and they come to a reckoning in this vast sea of white and ice. Along the way, they meet a bear who provides counsel, who provides advice. And the bear's voice is supplied by Gordon Pinson. I talked to the director of the film, Kim Nguyen, about where the idea for this unusual story came from. I was uh, in, the, um, in the airport. There's like these huge, massive, um, like, bears like like not bears but teddy bears like that are in brass and that are like sitting like that and there's like weird gods in in um, in uh, the murakami book that I was reading like these kind of like imperfect greek gods with flaws and um something dawned on me that i should have something like a uh, like an imperfect flawed uh, deity is that an english word the, yeah, in, yeah. in the in the uh, in the film and that kind of brought me to the idea of a kind of space in a, a space and time that is fluid, that is an, that is mutating. Uh, and I think that's important. Some that was I felt that was important, to, something important to convey because that's kind of the feeling you get in the Arctic. There's a the relationship to space and time is um, is a little different. And uh, for example, you could be staring at a cliff and you think it's a mile away, but you start you would start walking towards it and you never reach it. You never reach it, and it's you, because somebody tells you that it's 500 miles away. Right. You know, it's because of the. The scale difference is sometimes hard to say, to, to define. Long, open, white. Yeah, exactly. In, in exactly. It can, it's daylight for 24 hours. Darkness. Exactly. So it does. It, it plays with your Exactly. Exactly. Well. One, one time you have to do what happens in the day is five hours. Another time of the day is like 10 hours. Yeah. And you kind of like lose a sense of, uh, which is interesting. Yeah, yeah. A sense of scale or perspective yeah. or something like yeah, that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Relativity, maybe. Maybe. That's <laughs> it. Yeah, maybe that's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so you, you, you started, these all started to play. Yeah, exactly. Time. These are started to get infused into the film. And I mean, uh, I mean, most of what we see, apart from the talking bear, are, are, are like, really things that are there like the the dew line is was one of the really important elements that the, the dew line is a distant early warning uh, system and it, there was like maybe 12 bases that were built in the 60s to you know send a warning if the russians made an attack yeah, yeah, yeah. so those are there's they, they've been abandoned and i've seen a lot of pictures about it but most of them have been destroyed now um but i thought that was a really interesting figure i believe in um i try to Infuse a little bit of Greek tragedy elements in a in a narrative. Sometimes I think it's important. Like, uh, so the 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 for me that military base is kind of like the uh, going in you know in in the drug dragons uh, right, uh, the den. You know, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. the dragons den. That's yeah. it. So it's like a kind of like, and it's like a perfectly modern metaphor for that. I thought it was perfect for for, for uh, them going to to confront their own inner demons. You know. Well, I also thought like there was a there was. Sort of visually and just sort of, I guess, structurally, 
it, it struck me that it was kind of like The Shining, the long hallways in The Shining. Definitely like homages were, to that, definitely. Yeah, there, yeah. There's that, and, and just then the idea of, of how your mind works. Your mind works, like, the, the, you know, if you wanted to sort of yeah, yeah, yeah. things, you could imagine, you know, when, when Tatiana is running down that hallway trying to uh -huh. get away from her uh -huh. father, she's doing it in her head. Yeah. As well, at yeah. the same time. And that's yeah. maybe not unlike what she's actually seeing in her true. head is, true. you know. So true. I true. thought it was a, a, a startlingly effective. Cool, yeah. cool, 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 yeah. cool, cool. Yeah. Well, when I was in the, when I was doing research for, actually for, uh, for uh, Rebel, for Warwitch, uh, I had met this psychiatrist who, uh, I didn't mean, sorry, I didn't mean a psychiatrist, I read up on it. But uh, they, they were saying that there's like a big, uh, sometimes like years of psychiatry doesn't come close to like one symbolic gesture of healing. Uh, and uh, that's what they did with a lot of uh, ex-child soldiers. And in this case, there's kind of this thing where he doesn't know why he's doing it. Roman, like that healing thing, but when he's doing like... Uh, we I, we won't reveal you yeah, know yeah, but yeah, you know yeah. when he's creating this kind of process it's like a, well it is a movie about healing I guess in a way I continued to talk to director Kim Nguyen about the characters in the film where did he get the idea to create Lucy and Roman the two main characters I've seen a lot of people like that I mean uh, that uh, just don't uh, can't connect with. Uh, they just can't deal with the, an organized, uh, dense, uh, yeah. like uh, compact society, and they have to go up north. And uh, that's why you do meet in very interesting, unique characters there. It's like often it's the people who don't cope with standard, you know, the the uh, I wouldn't say standard or like the expected way of society. Of soci yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Ninety percent of any director's job is casting. I asked Kim Nguyen about casting Tatiana Maslany and Dane DeHaan for the lead roles in Two Lovers and a Bear. So we did an open call. We met some a lot of people. Uh, and uh, at the beginning, it wasn't defined who the exact Lucy was going to be, where she was going to come from, the, because we wanted to keep it open with the casting and all of that. So, uh, and then Tatiana, somebody, it, it came a little later on because I, we didn't, didn't even think about her uh, coming off of Orphan Black, you know, the casting director's well, why don't we try her? She's yeah. like uh, versatile. <laughs> she has range. Yeah. So, uh, and she just uh, was gracious enough to do a screen test, and uh, she blew us away. She was like totally, like way up there in the, in the truthfulness and right. the authenticity. She's really somebody who's able to connect and who's uh, fearless, kind of like Dane, also. Well, he's a guy who should be a superstar, and if he wants to be one, and make those choices that turn you into that. I think he's got it. Yeah. That guy, he's charismatic. Cool. He's interesting. Mm -hmm. He is always, you can't take your eyes off him when he's True. on screen. True. I thought about that in uh, uh, Life Beyond the Pines, whatever it's called. That's where like, I discovered yeah. That's how I discovered him. And that's that's where how I discovered first him. saw him. And yeah. I couldn't believe it. It's interesting. Yeah. yeah. When I saw Place Beyond the Pines, that's, uh, that's how Place I. Beyond uh, Place Beyond the Pines. Yeah. That's when I uh, discovered Dane. And that, when I saw that, I. Uh, I was certain, actually, that Dane was a wasn't an, a, a trained actor. I was right. certain it was it was so authentic that I uh, assumed that it was this guy who had this one role in him that was like on an open call. Oh, yeah. And then I learned that he was a trained actor, and it was really uh, I was really uh, impressed by his performance. That's my exclusive and in-depth look at Two Lovers and a Bear. Stay with us, though. When we come back on the other side of the break, we're going to find out why Tom Wilkinson doesn't like doing interviews. Welcome back, everybody. 
Deborah Lipstadt, a specialist in modern Jewish history, emerged into public life from academia as the subject of a 1996 lawsuit brought against her by self-taught British historian and Holocaust denier David Irving. Irving was upset that she singled him out in a book as a less than reputable historian. He sued her for libel, claiming that Lipstadt and her publisher were part of a worldwide conspiracy to rob him of his livelihood. Her story and the wild story of the case of an academic against a Holocaust denier has been made into a film called Denial, starring Rachel Weisz and Tom Wilkinson. I sat down with Wilkinson to talk about his role as the lawyer who represented Lipstadt in court. I asked him if there was a direct line between being an actor and the theatricality that his lawyer character has in court. I was wondering, as I was watching uh, your performance in the film, particularly in the courtroom scenes, yes. if there are any relationships that you could draw, any straight lines you could draw between how lawyers behave in the courtroom and your training as an actor interesting line when you say I'm not going to look him in the eye because if I look him in the eye it gives him it yeah, gives yeah. I respect him or I give him power or something yeah. like that and that seemed to me like sort of an actorly yeah, yeah. bit of advice do you see that? I think there is a certain very big element of, of I mean what you have to understand uh, which you do and I'm sure you do but I mean it's something once you know when you're, when you're in a courtroom and you have to sort of you realize that it's a game. It's like you put on, you know, it's like putting on a uniform. You're like putting on shorts and, you know, a, a thing with your number or name on the back, which is, it's a game. Truth is not the, the point of, 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 a, of a lawsuit. It's winning that's important. It's to do with winning. And there are rules and you have to abide by the rules and you have to play by the rules and you and the, the aim of the game is to win and that's that's what i sort of understood about thank you that's, that's how i understand thanks that's what i understood about um, and also there there is that you know because they say at one point don't give him a jury because he can act that's right. in front of a jury and and and, and sort of um, you know, do stuff. Try to sway them that way. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting you refer to it as a game and the uniform. Uh, in Canada, our lawyers, barristers, wear the, the robes and the ways they yeah. don't in the U.S. You just dress uh, yeah, yeah. in street clothes. And I do think it makes a difference. I do think that it, it, it sets a, a formal tone it in does, the room yeah, yeah. that, that uh, imbues a sense of import. Yeah, yeah. That, that, you know, should be there, I suppose. I've only been in court once and it was on uh, a jury duty thing and the courts here and I'm, I'm sure it's the same in England I know it's the same in England uh, are massive and they're big and they're built to give you a sense of oh god if yeah. I'm here on the wrong end of this yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, in, I'm in for trouble um, have you uh, what sort of research did you do or was it just all on the page for it you? was all on the page I don't, yeah. I don't you know, if I can avoid doing research I absolutely <laughs> do and, uh, but like you I'd, I'd done a jury duty right and at one point, uh, very odd, uh, one of the lawyers, in, and they were barristers and yeah. stuff, and they, well, they obviously were barristers and they were dressed up. And one of them didn't look at anybody that he was talking to. Uh, 
And I thought, if ever I get to play a lawyer, <laughs> I'm going to do that. I think it's fascinating. He would look anywhere and, you know, concentrating and stuff like that. And one of the things also which I didn't get to do, but which I wanted to do, was that they had piles of notes in front of them. And they referred to the notes. So the questions weren't sort of like, tell me, Mr. Yeah. <laughs> it was sort of, they would go through the notes and then they'd say, so where were you? So how many people were in this room? Right. Six. Really? <laughs> you know, it was you know, it was an extraordinary sort of experience. But nevertheless, there was that. Yeah. Not looking at people. Are, are you um, someone? I, I've interviewed a lot of actors who don't really talk or aren't so comfortable talking about the craft of acting. Yeah. Because it is something that is, for a lot of us, kind of this mystical sort of process that happens. Yeah. But it seems like you are someone who observes. It seems like that you watched the lawyer, you saw what he did, didn't look at people in the eye. Is observation a good chunk of, of how you store information? I guess it is. I do it. You know, I mean, that sitting in a cafe, yeah. you know, at the side of a street and watching people go by is something that, you know, I've always, I've always done. And I guess it sort of filters through. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a, I, you know, I, I have no real, you know, I, I can't talk about the art of acting yeah. or, you know, how somehow it makes me superior to everybody else. It is just something I've always naturally done and never given much thought to. Yeah. I've never given it much thought because I, you know, it's, it's sort of, I guess, a kind of an instinct. Innate something. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. I, and, and maybe the idea of overthinking it might stilt it for you, might make it It stilt could it. do. I mean, I know actors who, who um, good actors who, who will say, you know, well, I'm doing this scene, and they'll say, what do you think I'm doing? How, how do you think it is? And I'd say, I think it's absolutely perfect, and it is. Right. And ten minutes later, they'll say, you know, I don't think, I think I should be. And they'll slightly, t you know, and you think, no, 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 you've got it right first time. Yeah. Don't You don't need to fiddle with it. You know, so there are some actors who do fiddle stuff. Mm -hmm. But that's, you know, they have to have a sense of what they're doing, I guess. I don't really understand it. Are you... Uh someone uh, I, I don't I've been on film sets and I've seen people do take after take after take it doesn't sound like you're one of those people that thinks that the ninth take or the 50th take is going to be better than the first one no yeah. I, I, I often think you know you should put the camera on the first time I ever do it right you know when you're sort of making it up as you go along because I, I no three three uh, three takes and that's 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 just I think I don't I don't really want to fiddle with it anymore. Yeah. This film, I think, is uh, not only an interesting record of true life events, but I think a really timely film for right now because uh, it is about standing up for something in the face of adversity, you American coming to Britain, different legal system, the whole thing. Uh, but she stood her ground because she was right. Yeah, and I think it's about speaking up, and I think it's about making yourself heard. And I think that in the times that we live in, not only in Britain but in the United States as well, right now, it's time. It's time for people to speak up. Yes, is that a, a message that you saw in this? Uh, well, it wasn't. I'm not interested in messages. Um, yeah. I think I associate messages with sort of propaganda. So right. I, right. if it, if if this film has that effect, it is, as far as I can tell. 
tangential. I mean, I, I think basically what we set out to do, you'd have to talk to the director. You probably will be talking to the director and David and, and people like that. And the, what we set out to do is make a story that, that grips people. Yeah. That is what people in the arts want to do, right. I guess. Painters want to make a painting that people want to look at yeah. rather than walk by and go, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And similarly, that's what we, you know, we want to make films or write plays or be in plays that, that people sit down and go, good, oh, what? And then, you know, I, well, it's, you know it's, I thought I've only been in here 10 minutes and there's an hour and a half gone by. And it's, that's how that, that's what we do. If, so the message aspect of it, I am not best placed to want to, 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 to comment about. That was Tom Wilkinson. He's twice been nominated for Academy Awards for his roles in In the Bedroom and Michael Clayton, and who knows, he might be nominated again for Denial. He's very good in it. When we come back, you'll meet Rachel Weiss and Deborah Lipstadt from Denial. Welcome back, everybody, to my in-depth and exclusive look at the movie Denial. It starts in theaters next Friday. It's based on a lawsuit filed by David Irving in 1996 against Deborah Lipstadt. She had rebuffed some of his ideas about Holocaust denial in one of her books. He claimed that she was trying to take away his livelihood. They went to court in a very expensive, very long trial. And, well, I won't tell you how the movie ends, but here's an interview with Deborah Lipstadt and Rachel Weisz star of the movie, and I think you'll get a, an idea of the tone of the film. What sort of relationship uh, have you formed since the film, and what sort of relationship did you have uh, in the months or weeks leading up to? Did you spend some time together? What kind of responsibility Rachel She calls me feel? a pain in the ass. <laughs> really? And All so, those and, people out there love you for it. <laughs> and, and why is that? Why did she call you a pain in the ass? You want me to go first on yeah. this? <laughs> well, because... You know, I'm the kind of person, when I see the sign all over New York and many places, if you see something, say something about security, I find that sign absolutely baffling. Because I can't understand how people don't say what they're thinking. You know, I'm, I'm missing a certain, you know, uh, whatever um, filter. I just say what I think and... um, I don't know, but I think we connected. We connected in a, in a very nice I admire way. that about mm-hmm. Deborah. I, I admire people who will risk possibly not being liked. I mean, mm-hmm. I think you're universally loved no, and well, surrounded not by... No, well, not everyone. Yeah, you... you, you, you but you, I, I have a lot of good friends. And David lot. Irving may have. Yeah, but... <laughs> exactly, but that's exactly what right. I mean. When, when, when the, the cause is meaningful, mm-hmm. your likability doesn't matter to right, you, which right. is... I really, really respect that, mm-hmm. and I wish... I were more like that, and I oh. wish uh, more people were like that. You know, exactly. that, that you sta- if you stand up for what you believe in, and we live in a culture of likes, right? These things on uh, whatever that is on, on Facebook, fe- whatever. <laughs> I've never been on Facebook, but ever. But mm-hmm. but you know, it's just yeah. So that I, I like that. You have to be willing Deborah. not to be liked. Yeah. Right. And I mean, I want to be liked as much as the best person. Yeah. But that, but, but when uh, it matters. When it matters, and this was something I and this story of this trial in this case. A lot of very good people said to me, don't do it. Mm-hmm. In fact, a colleague wrote me a note. She's now retired, but she was a senior colleague at the time. She said, do you remember I took you to lunch and told you you'd be wasting your time and you won't get your work done and all that? And I said, Francis, I love you too much. 
to remember that. <laughs> but a lot of good people said to me, don't do it. And a lot of people didn't want me to do it in, uh, because they thought I'd be giving him publicity. Right. And, um, but that is a, that's the razor's edge. Right. Right? Of, of a story like this. And, and, you know, he was a marginalized figure by the time he brought the libel suit mm-hmm. against you. So the idea is, are we just making him more famous at this moment? Uh, or should we squash him like a bug? Mm-hmm. And it's and it's it's one you know it's a, it's a balance it's I a think balance. you have to it's find. It's a balance. It's a balance that we're facing in the United States now, also with uh, alt right and David Duke and lots of those people. How do you fight? How do you fight bad people without building them up and mm-hmm. without giving them a bazillion dollars free publicity? So, you look like you're about to say something. Yeah, about that. Yeah, I mean, what the publicity only shows what it is that they actually did. So I think the more people who know that, the better. Ultimately. Because most people right. don't know who David Irving is. Right. I mean, yeah. he he has his core group of followers, mm-hmm. and they're going to be very happy about mm-hmm. this public. What what right. they're not, or right. I don't know how they're going to feel about mm-hmm. it. But it's more that that people should know of it. Yeah, I, nobody does. I, I don't, it doesn't really bother me that him getting. It's not. It's not good publicity. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I think. I think Rachel's right. I, I think there's some people though who. Um, it's it's a it's a balance. Are you gonna like in this fight? I knew fighting him would give him publicity, but it would serve a purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, and am I just am, is greater it, than greater than the publicity of David Irving, far, right. oh, far beyond that's that. Right. I think right. it's just, it's... That, oh, no, that, that's, you know. yeah. Well, you said that in that wonderful message you taped to the UN. We, I just spoke at the UN, and Rachel taped a, a message to the conference that the movie really, I think, in the story has... None of us dreamt when we first signed on, I certainly right. didn't dream, that it would have the resonance it has today, you know, about much bigger than David Irving, mm-hmm. much, much bigger, much bigger than Holocaust denial. But... Um, Truth and lies, because now people just have. I have my own truth. Well, facts and well, opinion. It, well, fact and opinion, and that's it, right? So, um, just because I have an opinion doesn't mean I'm right. Is right. something that should be a a, a mantra for all of us, yeah, but it's not. Right. it's not. We live in this culture of feelings. Is I feel yeah. something strongly enough, it's true. No, it's not. Yeah. No, right. it's not. That's exactly right. You know. And even opinion, opinion based on complete made-up information. Yeah. Is is even giving them too much more weight than they deserve? Right. It's my opinion that there were Muslims dancing in Union City on 9/11. Well, that can be your opinion, but that's based on complete. I'll say it, bullshit, you yeah. know, it's yeah. it's wrong. And so, even to call it opinion is to elevate it a little more. What would you call it? A fantasy? Fantasy lies. Mm-hmm. It's a, a lie. lie. Yeah. A lie. A yeah, lot, yeah, lot. but it's this age of relativism, which I guess has been around for a few decades, right, and right. it's just got stronger and stronger that you, that people feel that you know, the objective truth gets lost somewhere because people are so scared. I mean, relativism kind of came out from a good thing in yes, a way. Yes, yes, exactly. Anthropologically, it's, right? It started and good, then exactly. bad. Well, yeah. I, I think also now you have mistrust. It started good, it went bad. <laughs> there you I go. Like that. <laughs> like so many the things There you go. <laughs> but, but I think, uh, you know, Right now, we live in an era where people don't trust the media. People uh, 
don't have the same kind of don't trust experts. Don't trust experts. What did Michael trust... Gove say in England in your in your home uh -huh. country uh, on the eve of Brexit? They saw the experts. Oh yeah, saying, yeah, the banks, the, uh, the banks, yeah. and the experts. And he said, "Oh, we've heard enough from the experts." Yeah, right. Well, and he was Minister of Education. Yeah, yeah. 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 There's a sense that facts are elitist that's, somehow. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's right. I mean, which I understand where that feelings come from. That people are tired of being kind of lectured to. People who are living in poverty who can't get jobs, mm -hmm. and they've and been lectured to by, you know, basically in England, rich white men who went to Eaton, yeah. you know, essentially, mm -hmm. which is the right. entire Tory cabinet just mm -hmm. about, you know, and I understand that, but it's a kind of, it's a category error, it's a misplaced thing, it's, it's showing a frustration anyway. So mm -hmm. Have we gone too far? Well, can we, can we write that and go the other way? It's a it's a battle. I think that we all have to fight. That you know, what is it? The, the only thing for evil need to I'm paraphrasing here, but to, evil, for evil to triumph is for good people. He said, "Men, but it's good people to stand by and be silent." And I think it's a it's a lonely battle, but you got to call people out. Um, and um, I think that's what this story was all about. And I think that's what Rachel captures so terrifically. And yeah, we'll move it back to the movie. Mm -hmm. So, uh, how does it make you feel now to watch the film? It's an out-of-body experience. It's an out-of-body. I mean, it was an out-of-body experience. The first day I was on the set, and Rachel was doing the scene. I was watching her on a monitor, and then they brought her into this room where I was. And there she was in my scarf, not this scarf, another scarf. But, and, and just with the, the, the and it was just, you know, but what's better is um, the number of people who, uh, Alan Dershowitz wrote me a note. He had seen the screening because he knows, he knows Gary. And, Wrote and said she captured your her accent, but even more, she captured your attitude. You know? <laughs> so, um, it's it's very gratifying. It's very very gratifying. I mean, it's it's heady and all that, but you know, my hope is that it, it does some good, and it's 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 very overwhelming. It's easy to get caught up in the hoopla of the festival and premieres, and you know, all the kind of stuff that goes with it. Um, but a lot of people suffered a lot of pain because of this man and this kind of effort, and. Um, you know, one hopes that it, it does some good. Rachel, this, Alan Dershowitz says, captured the spirit, the essence, all that. Um, and that gets back to my original question. Did you spend time yeah. together beforehand yeah. and, and sort of soak that up? And, and if so, what kind of responsibility? I mean, because it's still a drama. You're still, it's not a documentary. It's a, it's a different thing. So what kind of responsibility do you feel and what did you learn from her? Um, Deborah came and hung out with me in New York, sat in my kitchen for two days straight. That's right, I think. right. Exactly. And that was our first meeting. We'd spoken on, we spoke on the phone first for a few hours, right, I think. Right. And yeah, we, we hung out. I, I filmed her on my iPhone, so mm -hmm. I was, I'd be able to look back at it. And Deborah right. told me stories about her childhood and her parents and, and about the trial. And yeah, it was just being able to be near her and soak up her spirit and her attitude as. Mm -hmm. Dershowitz says, and yeah, and find the places where we intersect as people, mm -hmm. um, which there are some, you know. And it's just <laughs> when you when you find that, you go, oh, I could I could be this person mm -hmm. if my life had gone differently, and I would have been just born in Queens. But <laughs> you know, that's just a detail. Yeah. Ended up teaching it. You know, I, I mean, it was. It I couldn't becomes, have been this. I could <laughs> not have been this. This is calls for a very special talent. Yeah, but. But it, it was very. It became imaginable to me that right. I could be Deborah. That my life had gone that way. Um, I can't remember the second part. Of well, question. and the responsibility that you play because it's not a documentary. There, there must be dramatic license taken at some point here. Very not, little. Very not. little. Yeah, I very mean, little. I mean, very little. Um, I mean, obviously, I felt responsible to 
Deborah mm -hmm. that she would feel that this th this event that she'd lived through, this defining event was that I captured her yeah. and the spirit and the, the yeah it was yeah, I felt responsibility to Deborah. Yeah. It's funny. I, I just interviewed uh, Captain Sully Sullenberger, who landed oh, yeah, right, a plane right, on the yeah. Hudson, and apparently, landing. yeah, and, and apparently he said to Tom Hanks, "You have to get this right because I'll have to live with your performance for the rest of my <laughs> life. You'll go on and make another film, but yeah. this is going to be the record. This will be the that's way right, people think right. of me." Mm -hmm. And with that, I think comes a burden. You know, it must for an actor. Yeah, I mean, it, it burden and an I wouldn't. I wouldn't use that word. Yeah. I, it was a. a, a, a beautiful delicious challenge right. which I wanted to um, try and meet yeah. and she met above <laughs> and beyond my expectations and I can tell you my expectations were very high <laughs> <laughs> but it was a proper challenge you know? yeah. it was it was but 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 yeah lovely one mm -hmm. lovely one it's fun being here yes. okay. I enjoyed it <laughs> it's fun you get to you get to say what you think Mm, you know, whereas British people tend to, people yeah, we, yeah, we're yeah. polite and we sort of. I'm willing speak to help you to continue in this. <laughs> I like it. I like it. It's very healthy. It's there healthy. you go. Get it out. Get, get it, it out. out. Get Maybe it out. this yeah. could just be the beginning of a series of films <laughs> I, of your yeah, life adventures. I don't want to do anything more. <laughs> what Deborah did next? Yeah. 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 That was Rachel Weiss and Deborah Lipstadt talking about the movie Denial. It's in theaters next weekend. It's a really good legal thriller about a court case that could have made it acceptable to deny the Holocaust. Thanks to all my guests, thanks to you for listening, and thanks to Robert Turner on the board.